Thank you, Marion. Uh, my name is Alvin. If you're here for the first time, welcome to Nashville Life. I serve as lead pastor here, and uh, it's a joy to speak and to lead at this church. I love this church. I love everybody in it. And uh, if it's your first time here, I just pray you feel at home and that the Word of God blesses you as we get into it. Um, the song that they sang today ties in perfectly in the message, and it was just sitting with me. I was like, we should sing that again. We did the first service. Um, so let's do it again. after me say the word of God is the bread of life may my heart conceive it and my life achieve it in the name of Jesus amen awesome thanks Jasmine this is my fiance Jasmine Fiance, that's right, fiance. Um, all right. The theme for 2022, uh, in case you are new, we had a theme for the whole year. We have a theme for the whole year. And it's called Withstanding the Wind. Withstanding the Wind. And it's inspired by a passage in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. And it's John the Baptist, and he's talking about uh, the then coming Jesus before we started his ministry. And this is how John described Jesus. He says in Matthew 3, 12, uh, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And this is a metaphor for Jesus' ministry, and he's comparing Jesus to a harvester of wheat and there is a process called a winnowing process where the winnower or the harvester, I should say, allows wind to blow through the harvest. And the wind is strong enough to where it blows away the part of the wheat that's called the chaff. And the chaff is the part that has no nutritional value. It's not edible. You don't eat it. And the wheat has a weight 
built into it to where it's able to withstand the wind of the winnowing process. And I just felt very strongly preparing for 2022 that the Lord wanted us to pay attention to the scripture and know the importance of withstanding the wind, the ability to be able to withstand the winds, the trials, the temptations, the opportunities for distraction and all the types of things that are built to slip us up and and weed us out. The Lord is saying that his people need to have the ability to withstand these winds that he allows to blow through his harvest. Because at the very end, he gathers all the wheat that's still there, and that's the wheat that goes into the barn. And the barn, of course, is a metaphor for his eternity, uh, his eternal home, I should say, that we're going to spend with him. So we've been talking about how to withstand this wind, what that looks like. But I want to focus a little bit this month on another part of this verse, and that is the part that says that Jesus is gathering his wheat into the barn. Uh, Jesus is seeing, he's sort of doing both at the same time. Even though he's winnowing chaff out of his harvest, he's also still gathering wheat. He's constantly gathering more and more people to hear his word so they can be saved and be with him in heaven. So there's kind of a simultaneous thing happening where there's, there's the wind blowing, and yes, chaff is blowing away, but, but more people are coming in as well. And there's a, there's a great harvest that's still happening that the Lord wants us to be keen to, and he wants us to participate in it. Uh, so even though we're supposed to still withstand the wind, and I believe that's still the theme for the year, I want to bring in the second component, and that is the gathering part. Because Jesus makes it clear in Scripture, we're going to go through some Scriptures that show that Jesus doesn't want to gather alone. He actually intends for his people to gather with him, and that's us. We're his people, and we are called to gather. So the theme for the month for September is withstand the wind and gather. Withstand the wind and gather. We're actually called to do both. Uh, I was actually thinking of a story in Nehemiah. I want to talk more about it later in the year, but I do want to reference him briefly because I think it paints a good picture of what I'm trying to communicate. And that is Nehemiah had this great task of rebuilding the city walls that had been ruined in Jerusalem. And he gathered all these people together to rebuild this wall. But despite their, their goal, there were people in the camp or were in the surrounding areas that didn't want to see this happen. And they started to oppose Nehemiah and attack Nehemiah to try to hinder the work of the wall being rebuilt. So they sort of had these dual, two tasks due at the same time. They were trying to fight off these people that were trying to stop them from building, but yet they were still having to build the wall at the same time. And the, the job was so split to where Nehemiah actually had them, uh, the workers carry a sword in one hand to fight off the people who were trying to stop them from building and rebuild with the other. So you had builders that were using one hand to build the wall and the other hand ready to fight anyone that was trying to stop them. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the life of a Christian. We both have a defensive and an offensive responsibility on this walk. We are called to resist the devil, but we're also called to gain ground for the kingdom. We're called to withstand the wind, and we're also called to still gather people. And both jobs are equally important. You know, if you're only defending yourself, then the wall never gets built. 
But if you're building and you got your back turned towards the enemy, he can easily stab you. So you kind of got to have both. You got to have the shield of faith and you got to have the sword of the spirit. And one is blocking off darts and the other one is actually fighting. So, so, so there's, a, there's a dual call for us as Christians. And I want you all to make sure you know about that because I want to, I want to see us succeed and I want to see us actually live this life the way God, God has called us to live it. So we're, we're talking about how to do both, how to withstand the wind, and how to gather. Now, to gather in Webster means to bring together, to accumulate, or to assemble. To bring together, to assemble, or to accumulate. And this is something that Jesus has been doing since the beginning of his ministry. From day one on his ministry, after the wilderness, after he was tempted for 40 days and fasted all that time, he got out and he started gathering people. He found Simon and he found Andrew and he found James and John and said, drop all that you're doing and follow me. And he's been building that following ever since. And he's still doing it today. But the Bible says that since he's seated in heavenly places in heaven next to the Father, he gathers through us. The church is actually now the vessel and the vehicle that Jesus continues to gather more people to hear about the good news and hopefully receive Jesus and be saved and live in eternity with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Therefore, we, everyone say we, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So you have it right there. The church, we are the ambassadors of Christ, and Jesus makes his appeal to people through us. It's a major call, it's a great honor, and it's a responsibility as well. The vision of our church is following Jesus, building leaders. I want to make sure everybody's really hip to this and knows what's going on in case you're trying to figure out, you know, what is Nashville life? What is your purpose? Why are you here? It's simple. Following Jesus and building leaders. I'm going to talk about both for a bit. Following Jesus is, well, it is what it says it is, following Jesus. And I want to make sure I clarify this because sometimes in the Christian life, even in my life, I've seen that there's been seasons where I've been taking from Jesus and receiving from Jesus but not necessarily following him. And it's important for us to understand that those two aren't necessarily the same thing. There's a scripture where Jesus healed 10 men from leprosy, but only two of the 10 came back and said thank you, which shows me that you can be healed by Jesus, you can be blessed by Jesus, and still not follow him. You can be healed by Jesus, you can benefit from Jesus, and still have zero relationship with him at all. And I think those 10 lepers, those eight lepers is a, is a I mean, they were healed from leprosy. Like, that was an uncurable, incurable disease. They were healed by Jesus and never talked to him again. So I want to make sure that we understand that, yes, praise God, if I asked everybody in this room, 
who's been blessed by Jesus, I have a feeling that we would see most hands go up. And I'm not downing that, but I also don't want us to overestimate that, that just because you've been healed or just because you've been blessed by Jesus or experienced his goodness, it does not mean that you are following him. And we have to make sure that we know the difference in our lives so that we don't get deceived and think, well, yeah, Jesus blessed me. Well, cool, but he also blessed those lepers. You know, he also blessed Judas, right? But, but are, are we following him? Are we following him? Uh, to follow him is to obey God the Father. Why? Because Jesus obeyed God the Father. To obey him is I mean, to follow Jesus is to love people, including our enemies. Why? Because Jesus loved people and he loved his enemies, uh, to follow Jesus means to suffer for people's well-being. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. See, following Jesus means that you actually do what he did. For instance, let's say a hospital builder, someone who builds hospitals, that's their life and that's what they do. Now, if I wanted to just benefit from a hospital builder, there's a lot of ways I could do that. I can get a bed in that hospital. I can get a job at the hospital. I could receive medicine and get treatment at that hospital, but if I'm actually following the footsteps of that hospital builder, it's going to be a matter of time before I actually am building hospitals. That's following the footsteps of the hospital builder rather than just benefiting from that hospital builder. Uh, barbers, I got a haircut this week. To, to take from a barber is to get my hair cut. But to follow in the footsteps of that barber means eventually I'm going to be cutting hair, right? So that's the difference between Jesus. We can receive from his ministry, but to follow him, it's its own thing. And that's what he's asking for people to do. He is looking for people to follow in his footsteps, to follow in his character, to follow in his actions. And that's the vision of our church. And he's very serious about this. He's expecting us, if we follow him, he's expecting us to do what he does. If he suffers for the cause, then he's expecting his followers to suffer for the cause. If he's, if he's blessing people who persecute him, he's expecting you to bless people who persecute you or persecute him. If he's gathering people, he's expecting us to gather. And there's scripture that sh supports this truth. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. To scatter means to cause to separate, separate widely, to cause to diffuse or disperse, to divide into ineffectual small portions. And this is what Jesus says someone is doing if they are not gathering with him. So Jesus does three things in this passage. He drew a line in the sand. Jesus drew a line in the sand. He says either you are a friend or foe. You are component or you are an opponent. You know what I'm saying? You are uh, a promoter or you're a detractor. You're either helping me out or you're hurting me. And I feel the need to clarify that because I know our culture and I just know myself. And we, we, we find a lot of comfort into, in the middle. 
you know, that neutral ground. Like, I'm not helping him, but I'm definitely not against him. It's like, ah, Jesus says otherwise. He says if you're not with him, if you're not helping the cause, then you're, you're, you're hurting. There isn't really that neutral space that many of us have heard exist. Um, number two thing, the number two thing that Jesus does in this passage, he was explicitly clear. He makes it very clear what being with him looks like. He says to be with him is to gather with him, to help him accumulate to be a part of the effort of assembling and gathering more people to witness his power and to hear his word. And he says to oppose him is not to gather. I think a lot of people think that to oppose God means to blaspheme him and to cuss him out and to say bad stuff about him. No, it actually takes a lot less to oppose God, actually. All you have to do is not help him gather and you are standing in opposition from him or to him. The third thing that Jesus does is he removes the middle. That's something about Jesus. The gospel has a way of really removing the, the, the middle ground. I mean, Jesus says he doesn't even acknowledge the middle. He says if you're lukewarm, he, does, he, he spits you out. It's either you're for me or you're against me. And he doesn't really acknowledge any in between as much as I can sense that we want to, he doesn't acknowledge it. I was thinking, I was at a conference, uh, a great leader, John Maxwell, wrote tons of books, and I got to talk to him for a little bit. He t- I told him I was a pastor, and he was like, awesome. He said, okay, he said, build a vision that gets rid of the middle. Get, build a vision that gets rid of the middle. And I'm like, that seems kind of counterintuitive because I want more, the more the merrier, you know, like I want people to come. He goes, you got to cast vision and cast a vision that really does away with the middle and that I thought about it, and I was like, well, that sounds like what Jesus did. So maybe it's not that radical. Maybe it is radical, but maybe it's right, you know, because my first instinct was like, that sounds a little intense, but this is what Jesus did. This is, he literally did this in this passage. You're either with me or you're against me, and there really isn't a middle space. I was uh, thinking about what I used to work for a transcription company that we uh, had hospitals for clients. And we uh, did transcription services for them. And I worked in the customer care area, and we used to survey customers. And they had the NPS, which is like the Net Promoter Survey. And if you if a customer scored our company a zero to a six out of ten, they were considered a detractor. Which means if people said, "Would you want to use that company?" They'd be like, "Don't use that company. We're not that happy." If they scored a 7 or an 8, they were classified as a passive customer, which means their satisfaction was at a passive level. And then if it was a 9 or 10, they were classified and categorized as promoters, which means if someone asked them, they would say, you need to go to that company. They are great. And we would do our service to all of our customers, and we would end the season with finding out what our net promoter score was. And there was a calculation of how you figured out what the net promoter score was. And it was the percentage of promoters minus the percentage of detractors. And that was your score. That was your score. And I remember I was learning this. I was like, well, what about all the passives? We have a lot of passive people that score at 7 to 8. And they say, oh, we don't, we don't factor that into the calculation because it's, it's not relevant to the success of our company. It doesn't show us really anything. And I remember leaning over to my coworker, it was Shannon, Trey's wife at the time, 
uh, we were coworkers, and I said, uh, it's still his wife. We were coworkers at the time. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, and I was like, that sounds like Jesus. Like the middle is like, it's nothing. It really is. It's, it's, it's nothing. And, and I was reading up the reasons of that calculation. I went to the actual NPS website because I was like, I wonder how they articulate why they calculate it this way. And this is what it said on the Net Promoter site. It said, these customers, talking about the passives, are not motivated by enthusiasm or loyalty and are more likely to move to another company if a better deal comes along. They are excluded from the NPS calculation because passive customers don't move the needle. And I was thinking about, I was like, this is Jesus. Like, he's on the move. He's progressing. He's gaining ground. And he can, it's almost like he can work better with detractors than he can with passive. I mean, Paul was a detractor. Paul was passionately against Jesus. And Jesus goes, I can work with that because at least you got some passion. Let me change your heart. And then you'd be just as passionate about Jesus. Jesus says, I can deal with you hate me. I can deal with you love me. But I can't deal with apathy. I can't, because it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't move the needle. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought about John Maxwell. I thought about MPS. I thought about Jesus. I was like, Lord, you're trying to speak to us. You're trying to speak to us. And you can say, Jesus, is, he's drawing a line in the sand, church. He's saying, if you're with me, you got to be with me. you got to bring your whole heart. Jesus says the first commandment is to love him with and all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, all your might. He wants all of it. We got some decisions to make. I just don't believe that the scripture is showing us that he acknowledges that passive middle state the way that some of us have told ourselves that he does. So, following Jesus. What does following Jesus entail? According to this, if Jesus is gathering and he is letting us know explicitly that he is expecting those who are with him to gather with him, then we need to be gathering. We need to be gathering. We need to gather, not just together, but gather and assemble more. We should be going out and seeing how many more people we can get to hear the good news of Jesus. Guys, this is not just a speech. The good news of the gospel is the power of salvation. The gospel has the power and the ability to change the destiny of human beings' lives. The gospel has the ability to actually pierce the heart of an individual and make them a completely new person simply by what they heard. So the word goes, Jesus is going, guys, we got, we got to help. We got, we got to gather with him. He's making his appeal through us. He's in heaven. He's not walking around the earth anymore. Not for now, but he walks through the earth through us. So as many, that's why we're called the body of Christ. When the body of Christ moves, that's Jesus moving so that we can gather more people. And there's a lot of different ways to gather. You can gather by inviting people. Some of you guys are here today because you invited people. Kennedy invited her friend, and she's at church today. You invite people. Don't underestimate the power of an invite. And the beautiful thing about inviting is you're not responsible for their, react, their response. 
You're only responsible for inviting. You don't have, once you invite, the rest is between them and God. But the inviting is between you and God. Invite. Don't underestimate the power of, hey, say, you want to come to church with me? If they say no, that's okay. You did your part. But if you don't ask, it doesn't even give them an opportunity to say yes or no. Another way that you can help in helping Jesus gather is, is hosting in the house. That's what the team, Kendall and, you know, Hunter, people in the T-shirts, we're helping host. When people show up, we're there to make sure they feel at home. We make sure we're creating an atmosphere and, a, and an experience where they can encounter Jesus. That's one of the ways you can help Jesus gather by hosting in his home, hosting in his house. Preaching is one of the ways that you can help in the gathering. Because when they come together, they got to hear something, right? And praise God, just so you know, this house doesn't just have one preacher. There's several pre- You guys should be preaching throughout the week. You can preach at work. You can preach at your home. I know guys that lead Bible studies for their wives and kids at the house. Like, you, you can preach. You should. It shouldn't just be one. Maybe one at a time. <laughs> Paul talks about that. We don't want to have chaos where we're all in here just preaching messages at the same time. That would be kind of chaotic. One at a time, but not one in the house. We need more people preaching the good news of Jesus. Let, let people know what's, what's, what's real. Number four, praying. You can pray. Jesus said pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out more laborers in the harvest field, which means we can pray that more gatherers are sent out to bring more, more people to hear the gospel. There seems to be such a stigma these days about a lot of people coming to church. I'm like, this is demonic. We can't. I don't know. It's like if we see a big gathering, oh, that's not God. What? <laughs> this is the same Bible that said 3,000 people came to the Lord in one setting, and you see a church of 1,000 and go, oh, no. Like, get real. <laughs> get real. Check your heart. Check your heart. Are you a hater? We should be going, praise God that more people are hearing the gospel. Praise God that people are hearing. Guys, check your heart. Make sure you're not bitter. Make sure you're not resentful because that just gets in the way and it makes things weird. Uh, Giving. The Bible says to tithe and give offerings so that there's enough resources in the house of God when we gather. That's one of the ways you can help Jesus gathering, by giving giving finances so that there's resources, so we can have a bigger space, maybe. I mean, we're already packed, you know. Let's keep on giving. Let's keep on seeing how many more people can come and hear this word. That's why we got our online. Thank God for it's the giving that we have these cameras. There's people who are on the other side of the world right now hearing the gospel. Like, we got to start thinking about this, guys. Time is running out. Jesus is returning soon. And the, the amount of people that we bring in needs to accelerate so that when he comes back, we can say that we have faithfully tried to tell as many people as possible about Jesus. So that's how we follow him. We follow him by joining the cause. Jesus did not die for you to admire from afar. Jesus did not raise from the dead for you to spectate. He wants you to join him. He wants to build his body so that the whole world can repent. 
That's what he wants. I know that's what he wants because his word says that's what he wants. We don't have to guess about that. Second portion, following Jesus and then building leaders. And the building leaders part is easy. That's a very practical part of our, our mission, our vision. And that is the more people that we gather, the more people that come, the more people that will need to be fed, the more people that will need their needs met. So the more we grow, the more leaders that we need to help distribute the goods of God. Almost like the two fish and the five loaves. Jesus didn't pass out on his own. The way that everybody was able to eat because he had leaders, he had disciples that helped distribute the, the food so that everyone got a meal. Everyone got something to eat. So take that with the church. The more that we grow, the more that we need leaders that know how to serve and distribute the goods of God so that everybody who's coming in the doors can be served. So that's why we build leaders because we're growing. And the more people, like we didn't need a ton of leaders when it was just 10 of us. But when there's 500 of us, we need more leaders if everybody's going to have their needs met and experience the the food and the provision and the healing of God. We need people that know how to pray for the sick. We need people who know how to preach the word. We need people who know how to host and be, uh, be hospitable and have guests at their home and, and visit the sick. We got we to gotta raise those numbers of leaders to meet the growing needs of a growing church. So it's very practical, very practical, following Jesus, building leaders. I've got one passage that I want to share. I think it's one of the ultimate following Jesus, building leaders passages. And it's in John chapter 21, John chapter 21, verse 15 through 19. 15 through 19. I really want you to take heed to what this is saying because I'm going to actually ask you to insert your name every time you see Peter because I believe what he's doing to Peter in this passage he's doing with us today. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Again, I think this is the ultimate following Jesus, building leaders. Jesus was transforming Peter in that moment from someone who took from him to someone who was following him. Jesus was forming him from someone who only benefited from Jesus to someone who was 
joining the cause and helping Jesus feed his sheep. Jesus was forming a connection in Peter's mind and in Peter's heart from love being a sentiment only to an action as well. And I believe that's what he's trying to do with everybody in this room today. He's trying to graduate you from loving God in mere sentiment, which means I have a feeling and emotion of love, which is not bad. I love that you have feelings for God. But it's time to translate those feelings into action. And that's why Peter was confused. He was like, you love, I, I love you. He goes, okay, well, I'm expecting action. If, you, if, 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 you're, if you're saying you love me, then tie that with, and not just any action, but a specific action. I've got some lambs that are coming in. I've got some babes in Christ that need care. They need love. And if you love me, I need you to help care for these new babes coming in. And he said three, so I asked him three times. That's why I'm asking for us to put our name in that passage because some of you here, you love Jesus in sentiment. You adore him. You, you admire him. You like things about him. You acknowledge that he's a good guy. And I, I love that. That's good. It's, it's good. But don't stop it there. Take note from what Jesus did with Peter and trust that he's doing the same thing with you right now. He's trying to graduate you from loving God in sentiment and to loving him in action. If we love him, there are some actions that he is expecting from us. And that is to help gather. That is to help assemble, to help accumulate more people to hear the good news. And then when they hear the good news, to take time and care for them because you know the needs of babes in Christ. It's very similar to real babies. They need a lot of help. They need a lot of care. They need almost daily calls. Because that's how you are when you're born again. You're born again, but everything is new. You need people that are there to say, okay, when this happens, call me, and this is going to happen too. And this is, They need it. They need it. And if there aren't people who are willing to serve in the cause to help these babes, then they'll be very vulnerable to whatever the enemy wants to do with them. Also, if we follow Jesus, Jesus was setting Peter's expectation for suffering. I don't like sharing this news, but I have to because it's the truth. If you follow Jesus, you will suffer. You will suffer. And the reason why is think about the one that you're following. Did we read the Gospels? Do we know how his life turned out? But do we know how his life turned out? He suffered a horrible death, and Peter followed literally. Like, that, that was a very poetic way that Jesus was using it, but Jesus was basically prophesying and saying that Peter was going to be crucified. He said, your arms are going to be stretched, or you're going to go a place, and you're going to die a way that you did not want to die. If Peter had it his way, I'm sure he would have been like all of us. I would love to die in my sleep with my wife right next to me and my grandkids and my great-grandkids surrounding my bed. Peter wanted that kind of death too, but Peter didn't get that kind of death. Because he followed someone who didn't die peacefully in his sleep. He followed someone who was crucified. 
So Peter, Jesus goes, do you love me? He goes, yeah. He goes, you're going to follow me. And you're going to follow my footsteps. Now, here's the deal. God forbid that any of us die by crucifixion. I don't believe that any of us are going to have to do that. At the same time, we have to have an expectation of a suffering road if we're following Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, again, this is the difference between benefiting from Jesus and following him. You know, you can get your healing, you can get your blessing, you can get your promotion and be like, okay, cool, I'm out as soon as it gets hard. Or you can follow him all the way through. And yes, you will suffer. But the Bible says if you follow Jesus, though he suffered and died, he rose with all authority and all power. And I believe if you suffer for Jesus, just as, just as surely as you can bet that you're going to suffer following Jesus, you can be just as sure that you will resurrect and you will have a great, great resurrection, a great breakthrough, a great power, a great authority, just like Jesus. You will finish well, I promise you. You will finish well. It will, there will be a moment of death. Actually, there will be multiple moments of death. And I'm sorry if I'm not doing a good job of selling this thing. Like, some of you guys are really, like, contemplating. But I, that's how I like doing it. I'm sorry. I like I like shooting it straight because I think we've done a very big disservice to a lot of Christians. We don't tell them about the suffering. And the first time they experience an attack from the devil, they freak out and they're out of here. So I like Jesus' way. Jesus says from jump, just so you know, you're going to have to die to yourself and they're going to persecute you and they're not going to like you. And that was, the, that was the next steps for Jesus. Like that was his assimilation class. You will be hated. You might, be per- you might be crucified, you'll be persecuted, and just so you know, they're mad at me, they're not mad at you, but since you're representing me, they're going to take it out on you. Welcome this way. And I like that because you walk in and you know what you're getting to, opposed to, oh man, this is going to be heavenly bliss. It will be an eternity, but this earth, we're going to suffer. And the reason why is because we are following a God that the world hates. Jesus loves the world, but the world, there's no scripture that says the world loves Jesus. The world is governed by an enemy who hates Jesus. He's the prince of the air. He hates holiness. He hates righteousness. He hates truth. He hates purity. He hates victory. And that's all that Jesus is. So you can't expect to carry the savior of the world without some bumps in the road, without some arrows coming against you, without some people wanting to trip you up, which is why you got to have the shield of faith, which is why you got to learn how to fight with one hand and build with the other. But in the spirit. I'm not saying we go out fighting people with swords, please. I need to clarify. This is in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, we love people. Even if they hate us, we love them. Even if they want you dead, you love them because it's not flesh and blood that's against you. It's a spirit that's controlling them. So you got to love them. you got to love them because the vessel is precious. The spirit is, is deadly that's in them, but the vessel, that's what we're trying to save. We have to love them. We have to be meek. we got to turn the other cheek. we got to bless them. It's a, it's, a, it's a walk. But if you walk with Jesus, he'll show you. He says, take my yoke from me and learn from me. I'll show you how to do this. Thank God because I'd be lost. And it's tough, guys. I get it. And that's why, the, that's why I love the church. 
because we help each other. It is tough going from being fed to feeding. It's a tough transition going from being loved to loving. It's a very different skill. Being forgiven and then learning to forgive. You know, I've watched us build leaders over the years, and I've seen people go from the struggle of making sure they attend life group to the struggle of, of, of leading life group. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough transition. Jesus told Peter, when you were younger, you did whatever you wanted to do. But now you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do, which is really adulting. Jesus was basically teaching you, when you're young, you do whatever you want to do. But if you're going to grow up, you've got to learn to do things you don't want to do. And that's basically what Jesus said to Peter. Jesus says, when you first came in, you were younger, and you were doing whatever, you were saying whatever you wanted to say. Peter was cussing. He was saying whatever came out of his, he was saying whatever he wanted to say. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. He goes, you got, you're moving into another life now where you, you're going to do things that you don't want to do. You're going to be taken to places you don't want to go. But it's all out of your love for me and following me. And I believe that's what he's saying to all of us. He wants us to graduate from this child life of doing whatever feels good and whatever we want to do. And we have to understand that following Jesus means we're going to have to do some things we don't want to do. But it's out of our love for him and our service to others. It's an honoring life. I promise you it is. It's very, very rewarding. Jesus wants to give you a, a life way better than any life you could have ever had on your own. The reason why a few people receive his life is you have to first die to yours. And that's hard for us, even if we don't like our lives. It's like at least I know it. At least I'm comfortable with it. We have to be willing to die to our lives and start a new life, a life with Jesus. And, yes, it's radical, but it's better. It's better than any life you could have ever lived. And the cool thing about following Jesus, it does include the blessings. It does include the healings. You will be healed. You will be provided for. But you'll, what make, will make you different from other people is that you won't just take your healing and bounce. You'll be, you'll be healed and say, I want to keep following this man who healed me. And according to him, he's actually going to teach me how to share that same healing with other people. That's what we're trying to build here. We're, we're trying to build a church where we don't just get our blessing and say, all right, cool, see you, Jesus. No, be blessed and say, you know what, I want to stay with the one who blessed me. I want to follow him. And I want to follow him because he's good. And if he healed me once, he can heal me again. And if he protects me once, he's going to protect me. I want to stay with this guy. I want to stay with this Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's the full progression. That's the full process of following Jesus. That's the maturation journey. You go from follower to a fisherman. And I just urge you guys, please do not make the decision to be a Christian and, and, and say, well, you know what, I'll do the first part. 
I'll follow Jesus, but the fishers of men thing, I'll just leave that to Pastor Alvin and some other people. I'll follow him, but I won't fish for him. The deception of that statement is that you actually are convinced that they are two separate things. Like, we act like you can actually follow Jesus and not fish for men. And you can't. Following Jesus will make you a fisher of men. That's the full progression. You can't just park it and say, I'm like, let's say I'm going to your house, Daniel. I don't know where you live. And I'm I'm, I'm following you. To, I'm following Daniel to Daniel's house, and we pull out of the church, and we get to uh, La Hacienda. We and he's passing it, and I put my car in park, and he's still driving home, and I'm still at La Hacienda. I started, but I didn't keep going, and then someone says, "Some y'all passed me on the street," and you're going, "Where are you going?" He go, "I'm following Daniel." That's how we look. I'm following Daniel. Daniel's across the town. I started following Daniel, but at La Hacienda, I said, I'm going to put my car in park because I like it here. Daniel is continuing. What we think is that Jesus parks with us. That's how narcissistic we are. We think Jesus parks with us and he goes, I'm done. No, he's moving. Jesus is on the move. He's got people to save. He's got lives to heal. He's got people to forgive. He's got people to save. And we, 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 okay, guys, and we're convincing ourselves we're following Jesus and we part. And he's out somewhere else and we're like, I'm following him. I'm a follower. You know what? Maybe, you know what? Maybe we need to start saying I'm a follower because like we do we do we do believer a lot like I'm a believer. Maybe that's I'm not down to believe. We should believe. Don't hear don't hear what I'm not saying. But like, maybe it's possible to believe without following. I don't know. Like, we are called to follow him. We are called to walk with him to follow his pace to follow me. He says, "Put on my yoke, and I will walk with you, and I will show you how to do it." And if, if, if he's saying, if you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men, then that's the, that's the journey that you're on with Jesus. Am I making sense? All right, sweet. I'm going to wrap up. I have two appeals. One is to follow Jesus. We got we to gotta move with him. Jesus is moving. He is moving. And the reason why he's moving is not because he's just antsy. Y'all, he has a limited amount of time. The father is only giving Jesus a certain amount of time before he makes, not, tells Jesus to come back. Do y'all know that that's how this is work? Jesus is in heaven waiting for the green light from the Father. 
And Jesus is actually the one trying to buy us time. I don't know if y'all know this. Scripture tells us that Jesus is going, Father, not yet, not yet, not yet, because we still want people to get saved. And the Father's like, I can't take how evil this world is getting. And Jesus is like, just can, it's just like Moses and God, where he was like, Moses was negotiating about Sodom and Gomorrah, saying, please. That's what Jesus is doing. The Bible says Jesus is interceding for us right now because he knows once the Father comes back, nobody else can get saved anymore. There could be no more salvations once, once Jesus comes back. So the Father is, the Father is uh, pausing. That's what the scripture says, where the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He's, he's waiting so that more people can repent. So Jesus is actually next to the Father saying, he's so close, Father. That nation is so close. More time. He's interceding on behalf of us, saying more time. But guys, he is submitted to the Father. And there's going to come a time where God's going to, the Father's going to say, we're not waiting anymore, go. And when the, the minute the Father says that, Jesus is going to say, yes, Father, and he's going to go and he's going to come back. So that's why he's moving, guys. He's not moving because he's trying to annoy you. He's moving because he has people to save. And he only has a certain amount of time before it's over. So there's the urgency and there is a awakeness that needs to happen over the church where we need to get into this flow of what Jesus is doing. He's trying to get more people to hear the gospel so that a larger heaven can be enjoyed by all of us. Let's, let's commit to make hell smaller and heaven bigger. Let's commit to be a church to make hell smaller and heaven bigger. And we do that by following him and building leaders. Because, y'all, let's say, what if God decides to allow 6,000 people to show up next Sunday and they receive Jesus? Will there be enough leaders in this church that are like, I'll help them. I'll help them. I'll help feed them. I'll do we have what it takes? That's why we're building leaders, because I believe that the harvest is about to explode. But at the same time, I don't want to have a bunch of abandoned, neglected babes rocking around this place. We need to have people who can help serve and help love them. And I would love for that to be you. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the vision of this church to follow you and to keep following you so that we can move forward. And, Lord, so that you can transform us to fishers of men. Lord, we, at one point we were the fish being caught, Lord, being brought in. But, Lord, you are moving us from being the catch to the fishermen. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that your grace would continue to speak to every person, no matter how old they are, no matter how young they are, no matter their race, no matter their, their tax bracket. God, I pray, Lord, that every single person in this room would follow you to make that transition from being a, 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 a recipient of your love to a sharer of your love, from a recipient of your mercy and grace to a giver of mercy and grace. Lord, help us to become 
uh, fishers of men as we follow you. God, we know that you have the ability to do it. If you did it with Apostle, if you did it with Saul to Paul, you can do it with us, Lord. We've seen you turn the hardest hearts. We've seen you do the impossible, Lord. And we know that if you can do it with them and if you can do it with me, Lord, you can do it with anybody. God, so I pray for us to continue in the vision to follow you. And Lord, as we follow you, give us the compassion we need to feed your lambs, to tend to your sheep, Lord, to care for the lost that are coming in and receiving Jesus. Lord, give us a burden for the needs of the people. God, help us to follow in your footsteps, God. And we're doing this, Lord, because we love you. We're doing this because we honor you and we acknowledge that you are worthy of being followed. You are worthy of being obeyed. You are worthy of being, uh, of, of our lives. We dedicate our lives to you. And yes, Lord, we know that it will get hard, but Lord, we know that the joy will well outweigh the suffering. The reward will way outweigh the cost. Lord, and I thank you in advance for a great reward that is to come. Lord, to everybody who chooses to lay down their lives and to pick up their cross and to follow you, God. I pray that you give us your grace during this next season. Lord, as the harvest continues to come in, Lord, I pray for the leaders and the uh, people to be ready in this church to care for those who need care, to love those who need love. Lay down my life and pick up my cross. What a joy it is to give my life away to you. All that I need, all that I seek is you here with me, Holy Spirit. stand and let that song be your prayer as I lay down my life pick up my cross what a joy it is to give my life away all that I need all that I see is being here with me oh words after me so we can follow Jesus with all of our hearts. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus uh, died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he's the son of God, that you will be saved and the Lord will change the entire destiny of your life for the better. But you got to follow. So let's, let's pray. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
so I can follow you every day of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's celebrate the glory of God, the mercy of God, the salvation of Jesus. He's good. He's changing you. He's changing you. He's changing you. I know he's changing you. He's changing you from the inside out. He's changing you from the inside out. If you, yes, Lord, if you said yes to Jesus, congratulations. Let us know. Uh, text belong to 77411. If you just text that, we've got some ways to connect with you and give you some resources to support you on this walk. We want to care for you. We want to care for the lambs and the sheep, like Jesus said. So help us do that. Let us know that you said yes. If you have any prayer requests, we're here to serve you. We've got some leaders here that are here to pray for you. If you have any prayer needs, we have next steps right after service. We would love to serve you, share more about the church, about our vision. And uh, lastly, if you want to give uh, tithes and offering, you can give online or you can give in the back. Our finance team is here to serve you. Let's pray, and I want to dismiss us all. Uh, Father, I thank you again for your word. I pray a blessing over every person here, every family represented. God, I thank you that you're growing us up. Lord, you're maturing us even now. And I pray, Lord, that all of us say yes to this next chapter with courage and excitement and joy, Lord, and faith. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great rest of the day. Love you guys.